Now, um, today we are in part three of our message series called Take Up. And in this message series, we are learning what it means to follow Jesus. And so when Jesus was here on earth, uh, he wanted us to know exactly who he is and what it means to follow him. And Trent in the first week did an amazing job of showing us that Jesus said that there were no requirements to begin to follow him. And uh, in fact, Jesus says, I pick you. And so uh, everyone is welcome to, con- to begin to follow and everything. And, um, and it wasn't something that Jesus just said back then. He says that to us today, that I pick you and you're invited. And then last week, Brian did an amazing job of not only continuing that theme of inviting us to follow, but that there is a cost to following Jesus. And Jesus was real clear about that, um, that we have to make a decision, a daily decision, uh, whether to do things our way or to follow him and do his will. And so if you miss any part of the message series, I wanna encourage you to go back and listen or watch it uh, on our website or any of our social media outlets. Now, uh, we're going to, up front here, uh, focus on our key passage that we've been looking at for this entire series, that we've based this entire series off of, and we're getting this when Jesus said this to his disciples and those who were following him. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the father and the holy angels." Now today, we're going to lock in on verses 24 and 25 uh, to help explain some things for us. So uh, in verse 24, Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will, and what are those words? Lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed, okay? Now here's the really cool thing about Jesus. When we read about Jesus's life, uh, he had this thing where he would be around people and they were thinking something or they wanted to ask him a question and he began to answer it even though they hadn't spoken it out loud. And uh, he did that all the time. And during this series, if you've been with us during this series, um, we've all probably had this question going on within our minds. And the question is this, is it worth it to follow him? Is it worth it to follow him? And Jesus knew that we would be asking that question. And in fact, he begins to answer that question if you caught that in the passages we're looking at. Let me bring up verse 24 again. It says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. So basically, Jesus says, think about any aspect of life, okay? For example, health, all right? Uh, I can work really hard on my health. I can eat right. I can try to live right. I can exercise. But at the end of my life, I lose my life. Now, by raise of hands, how many of you would agree with that? 
Yeah, just some of you. If you didn't, could somebody please check their pulse right now uh, if they're not raising their hands, you know? Uh, for, uh, because at the end of life, we all lose our lives. Uh, take finances as well. Um, many of us work really hard to make a lot of money. Some of us are really good investors and we try to continue to build that wealth. But eventually, we will lose all of our finances when we come to the end of life. Or, for example, relationships. I can work really hard to build a relationship with uh, a certain person. And I can try to keep them as close to me as possible. I can even put an app on their phone. Some of you do that. That's, yeah, oh, that's a little scary. But anyways, um, you know, we can try to keep them as close as possible. But unfortunately, we will lose them at the end of life. Now, those are some tough words. But that's what Jesus is referring to uh, in when he says these things. And there's truth in them. But then he wants us to know something else. He wants us to know this as he continue, continues in verse 24. He says, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's going to take a lot of unpacking. And that's what I'd like to unpack with you today because Jesus wants us to know the answer to the question is it worth it to follow him? Is it worth it to follow him? So if you do uh, have your Bible or your smartphone device, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter five, verse one. And um, if you don't have a Bible, always feel free to grab a Bible from the back as our free gift to you. Um, also, I want to encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's an amazing free app that uh, has scripture on there. You can pull up the NLT uh, translation. It has tons of helps to help you understand the Bible and what you're reading, uh, devotional plans and everything. And it's an amazing tool to help you close uh, to be close in your relationship with Jesus. But I'll give you a moment to turn to Luke uh, chapter 5, verse 1. All right. Now, before we dive into this passage, let me set this up for you, okay? Uh, to answer the question, is it worth it to follow him, uh, we have to know more about the one who is asking us to stop doing things our own way and to take up our cross and to follow him. So we're gonna learn more about Jesus, the one who is asking us to follow, and we're gonna do that uh, through three defining moments that one of his closest followers had with him, and that's Peter. And so through these three defining moments, we're going to learn a lot about how to follow Jesus, and I'm also going to sprinkle in some of my story that's similar uh, to help flesh out, is it worth it to follow him? Okay, so let's begin starting in Luke chapter five, verse one. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. So at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus went around teaching people about God, performing miracles, and no one had ever taught like this before. And so Jesus is teaching this one day. He shows up to this one spot, and everybody's like, oh, he's here, he's here. They start texting all their friends and everything, and all these people start to show up, and more and more people are coming, and it's getting crowded, and it's right next to the, the lake and everything. And Jesus, in verse two, he notices there's two empty boats 
at the water's edge, uh, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So let me explain this to you, what fishermen did on the Sea of Galilee, okay? On the Sea of Galilee, the best time to fish was at night because it was so deep. The fish would come up to the surface at night. Um, and so they would bring their boats in in the morning. They would wash all their nets from all the beer cans and garbage and everything left out from all those who were boating on the Sea of Galilee and everything. And... Um, <clears throat> And so they would come in and clean their nets uh, and let them dry in the sunlight while they slept during the day. And so these guys are washing their nets and they're listening to Jesus and they see this crowd uh, building and getting larger and larger and pressing in on him. So verse three, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, and many of you know him as Peter, okay, its owner, to push it out into the water. Now, we know from another eyewitness account that this was not uh, Simon Peter's first interaction with Jesus. His brother Andrew, who was also a fisherman, uh, had gone and seen Jesus and had run back to Simon Peter and said, hey, I have found the Messiah, the one that has been predicted to come and save us, hopefully from these Romans and also from our sin. And uh, so Simon Peter knew about Jesus. And so here's Simon Peter who's working and listening, working and listening. And then Jesus asked him, hey, can I inconvenience you in this moment a bit and borrow your boat? And Simon Peter's like, hey, no big deal. You know, yeah, get my boat. I'll push you out a little bit out in the, that water and put the anchor there. So that way nobody's pressing in on you and more people can line up against the shores and see you and everything. Uh, so absolutely, you know. And so he did that and he continues to listen. And uh, Jesus uh, sat and taught from the boat at that point. Now, here's what I love about Jesus and Christianity, okay? Faith begins by hearing, okay? He never demands for us to leave our lifestyle or to surrender all uh, before interacting with us. And our journey to follow begins with truth and information. And that's why some of you keep coming back and coming back, you get some truth and you hear some truth and you're like, you know, that really spoke to me today and I'm learning some things. And so it, faith always begins by hearing. And, um, and so if there's ever like a religion that asks you to like, you know, just believe or have blind faith, run away, okay? Run away, all right? Because Jesus built faith with truth and information. And he invited anyone and everyone to come and listen. And, um, when Jesus taught, he often brought the questions to light that people were thinking, and he answered them for those people. And he answers them for us as well, that we'll see today. And so um, here's the first step that anyone can take on their journey. It doesn't matter your age, your background, uh, your race, your sex. Um, it doesn't matter what you believe or anything. Jesus invites all of us to come and listen. Because Jesus wants you, wants me, to know exactly who he is. And God took such great care for four accounts to be written about Jesus' life. There were many eyewitnesses to, who contributed to those. There were many who wrote that. And so um, in those four accounts, they're there so we would exactly know what happened at this time in Jesus's life. So let's pick up back in verse three and see this first defining moment. 
So he, Jesus, sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, Peter being diplomatic is like, Jesus, we've been out all night, okay? And so he doesn't just like, you know, say a straight out no. Instead, he says in verse five, master, now notice he didn't say like Lord or God, okay? But he dresses them, that was like a sign of respect, like teacher, you're a great teacher. It's kind of like if you're a Star Wars fan, Jedi master, you know, or something like that. And so Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. And uh, you're asking us to go fishing in the daylight? Come on, Jesus. But Jesus is like, Peter, I know you have done this like a thousand times and you've done it your way, but I'm not asking you to do it your way. I'm asking for you to do it my way. And yeah, you're right and everything, but I'm not asking like for you to leave your family, like give me all your money or something like that. I'm just asking you to do this one thing that you've done a thousand times, but do it my way. Now we don't know what Peter's thinking. Obviously he's thinking this guy must be a carpenter. You know, I mean, he's not a fisherman. He doesn't know anything about fishing. So you know, I've been listening. I kind of gained some respect as I've heard him talk. All right, I'll do this one thing, okay? And we see that. Uh, Peter says, but if you say so, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again, okay? Now, here's the really amazing part, okay? Peter had no idea what hung in the balance with this decision, this simple step of faith to begin to follow Jesus. And many of you, you've been coming and listening, coming and listening, and you don't know what hangs in the balance in this one step that you know, that you know that God is asking you to take. And so during this message, I want you to just frame up because some of you, you know it. It's not a radical step. There's a step that God has been asking you to take. And I want you to consider that as we continue on. So let's see what happens when Peter takes this step of faith, which totally changed his life forever, okay? Verse six, and this time, as they went out into the deeper water, probably not too far, and this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear, and a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, he didn't say master, he didn't say teacher, but Lord. And so in that moment, he recognizes who Jesus is. In that moment, he recognizes who he is. And this was the beginning of a relationship with Jesus for Peter. And so in that moment, Peter took a step of faith and realized that he was in the presence of the Messiah, the Lord, the one who could take away sin. And so Peter, he's not only in awe, but at the same time, he feels unworthy to be in the Messiah's presence. And this is so important. All of a sudden, he says to Jesus, please leave me alone. I'm such a sinful man. But Jesus pretty much says to him, I pick you. I know your background. I know what you have done. I pick you. 
and I am inviting you to follow, to follow. Verse nine, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Now, what does that mean? Well, we'll come back to that later, okay? And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, the reason they left everything, especially Peter, was that his heart had been changed. He was a whole new person. He had come face to face with the Savior. Now, when I was really young, okay, Jesus approached me in such a way that I needed to be approached, okay? I had come and listen, come and listen, and then all of a sudden he exposed in a gentle and a very personal way that my way was not working and that I needed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And after I entered into a relationship with Jesus, I never knew what hung in the balance with that decision. Peter never knew what hung in the balance with his decision either. And I'm so glad that I did not try to like hang on to my life and doing things my way because as I've followed Christ, I will never regret the experiences that I've experienced as I have followed him. And that's what God wants us to know. Now let's continue on with the second defining moment, okay? So we're gonna jump over to the Gospel of Mark, and uh, if you wanna do that, you can. If not, we'll put it up on the screen. But John Mark helped Peter to write down all the experiences that he had with Jesus. So he kind of dictated them to him, okay? Peter's kind of like a you know, guy who's sharp, and he's like, you know, I, you write that. <laughs> and so it fits his personality. And so here's one of Peter's experiences, as if he had written it himself. So now keep in mind uh, when it says, so they, that's Peter and the 12 disciples, this is not like where we just left off. This is going after he has called the 12 disciples. Um, They've been out seeing Jesus do all these miracles, seeing him heal people, seeing him teach people about God. They've been with them. Each of them were called in a very personal way. They feel very loved by Jesus. They've been feeling like they've been taken care of. And so this is a complete a different scenario that's going on later on in the timeline and everything. And so they're on a boat again, you know, they're around the Sea of Galilee doing ministry at different spots along the shores at different towns and everything. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. That must have been some fierce storm because even the four fishermen who were a part of the 12 were afraid and scared to death. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. I love this description because when you read it, you know it came from Peter because he's kind of a gruff and rough guy, okay? And he'd be like, hey, remember this detail. I remember this detail. So Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, all right? So the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And so this is serious. The guys know that they are gonna lose their lives and something has to happen. Verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. 
and everyone was speechless. They were speechless. I could only imagine Jesus just saying in a quiet voice, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? I know there was a storm. I know that the waves are crashing in. I know some of you can't swim. Why are you afraid? And then he says this next question, which is great, and really cues us into what's happening. He says, do you still have no faith? Like after all I've done, after all you've seen, after everything you've experienced, my great love for you, my great care for you, how I've been taking care of you and protecting you from all the religious leaders, don't you know who I am? In that moment, the disciples were absolutely terrified. And here's why they were terrified, okay? They began to recognize who he is. And they got a fuller picture of this later on. And what they came to understand is that Jesus is the one who secures our soul. Let me say that again. Jesus is the one who secures our soul. And so we can be in terrifying situations and be faced with death, but we don't have to fear because we are with Jesus. When you're a disciple of Christ, you are with him. He will protect you. He will take care of you. Even if you die, he is the one who secures our soul. And that's what he's answering in our beginning of our passage today. If we look at that, if we bring up verse 24 again, if you try to hang on to your life, you will, what's those words? But if you give up your life for my sake, you will... And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? Now, I remember when I was in high school and middle school, uh, I, had, I was a Christ follower, but I was kind of like this on-again and off-again Christ follower. So I had kind of like God in the backpack, and I would take him out as needed, so to speak, when I needed him, like, God, help me, save me from that mistake I just did when I broke the law. No, and, and then I would put him back in to that backpack. I mean, I know a lot of you did the same thing, okay? And so that was kind of my relationship with him. And then right before my senior year, I went to this uh, major like student conference uh, for Christ followers and everything. And one of the speakers there spoke on a message I'll never forget. He said, um, do you know God, but do you really know him? Like many of you are Christ followers and absolutely, you've put your faith in Christ uh, and for your forgiveness of sins, but do you really know him? And as the speaker spoke, God penetrated my heart. And I was only living with him at certain times. I was only trusting him with certain aspects of my life. And during that message, I felt like God was saying, Tim, I want all of you. I want all of you. And so at the end of that message, I made a commitment. Jesus, I give you my life and I wanna to start to get to know you, and I will start to read your word every day. 
And so I started to get into his word and I started to understand who he was and I started to hear from him. And he said, Tim, I want you to pray for your high school. I want you to pray for all your friends who don't know me. And so I started to do that. My friends started bringing up God and I'm like, you've never brought up God since elementary school, you know? And they started to bring up God and many of them put their faith in Christ. One of my friends who was a drug addict, who was pretty much like a drug dealer, put his faith in Christ and it changed his life. Because when you know the one who secures our souls, then we are willing to give up our lives for the sake of others. Because at the end of the day, we can't take anything from this life. But we can know the one who secures our souls. And everyone else can know that as well. And that's what Peter and the disciples came to understand. And they also learned some other things. And I want to move into this third defining moment for Peter's life. And here's the defining moment for him. So after Jesus came back to life from the dead and appears to his disciples, um, Peter was still regretting how he had failed Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, hey, you know, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter, you know, went around and he's, you know, denied Jesus three times as Jesus was on trial before his death and uh, failed. And so Peter is still like regretting that. He thought he blew it so much so that he actually goes back to fishing. And so I get this. You know, after I finished my master's degree and being a pastor, I thought, okay, I'm ready. But it didn't happen. And I ended up being in the business world for five years. And um, during that time, I had ups and downs. I had more downs than ups. Um, and I thought, God, why are you doing this? Like, I thought you, you know, I was finally ready to be in ministry, I thought. And um, at that point, I was pretty much like heading towards the business world and staying in it because I thought that's what God wanted. And he came to me and he showed up. And God showed up for Peter as well. And so one morning, Peter and some of the disciples, he brought some of them back in. They're out fishing again. And so they're coming in from fishing all night. And they see this man uh, on the shore and they start to try to say, who is that? And he's building a fire. It looks like he's preparing breakfast for us. And, um, and they recognize it's Jesus. He's you know, coming back to visit them again. He's already shown up a few times, which just blows our minds, but he's here. And so they hurry and get there. And in John uh, chapter 21, verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I blew it three times. It feels like you're kind of rubbing this in my face, but you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And Jesus wasn't rubbing this in his face. Basically, Jesus is saying, Peter, I am not done with you. You've taken yourself out of the game. And some of you, you need to hear that. God is not done with you. And you've taken yourself out of the game. 
and he is not done with you. And he also said to Peter, Peter, this life is not about you. It's about what I've called you to do, and I've called you to be a fisher of men. Peter, I want you to fish for men. Now, when I hit my low point in the business world, okay, Jesus made it real clear that, I, that he was not done with me and that he wanted me to start a church. I'm like, God, start a church? Like at this point, five years removed from like when I studied to be a pastor. And so I said, okay, God. And we had like a long conversation that day. And I thought, I'm telling him, no way, God. And he's like, no, Tim, I'm going to win this. And so he did. All right. And uh, he made it real clear. And I surrendered. And I said, God, use me how you want. I'm gonna start studying every night to learn how to start a church. I'm gonna to go to this conference, I got a mentor, and about three, four months later, I get this phone call from my good buddy, uh, Trent Shockey. And he said, what is God leading you to do lately? And I told him, he said, that's great, we're starting a church this year down in Palm Coast, Florida called Epic Church. Will you join us to help us start Epic Church? And I was like, God, whew, man. Now, here's what I've come to find as I've followed uh, Jesus for most of my life. Following Jesus is deeply satisfying. It's deeply satisfying. You know, in that verse when Jesus said, if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He meant it, okay? No matter the ups and downs that we will have as Christ followers, as we follow Jesus, we know the one who secures our souls. And he's asking us to give up our lives for the sake of others, like he gave up his life for our sakes. And it will be deeply, deeply satisfying. And when I look back at all the lives that I've seen change, it has been so fulfilling and God has shown me his purpose for my life and I've had a front row experience to seeing so many people's lives change. And I just wanna share a few of those with you, okay? One time, um, when I was a college student, 20 years old, um, there, I started working at our dish room at our school. And there was a guy in there from the community, and he was blind. And he washed the dishes back there. It was amazing. And um, as he washed the dishes, I would build a relationship with him. And at one point, I just thought, man, you know, was he blind at birth? Like, uh, you know, I finally got to the point where I built up enough courage and we had enough of a relationship where I'd ask him. And so I asked him, hey, how did you become blind? And I'll never forget this. It was shocking and it will shock you as soon as I say it. He said, Tim, I was shot in the head. I was like, you were shot? He said, yeah. And that caused me to go blind. And I'll never forget what he said to me after that. He said, but I know there's a reason why I survived. I'm not sure what that is, but there's a reason that I survived. And so we had this amazing conversation about God and Jesus. And he said this to me at the end of the conversation. He said, you know what? It's Jesus. It's Jesus who kept me alive. And how can I be in a relationship with him? And it floored me. I mean, this guy could have been angry, could have been like hell-bent against God. Instead, he said, I want to know the one who secures my soul. 
and he put his faith in Jesus. Now, another time when I was in college, um, I ended up going back to the Coca-Cola distribution center that I worked at during the summers for the second time. And when I was there, it was just hopeless. I mean, people just came in and they did the same thing, repetitive work, but they got paid a lot of money. They had all these toys, but everybody was just kind of like hopeless, okay? It was really like a downer working in there. And so I felt like God said, pray for this place before I return. So I prayed go back, and there are two guys, uh, an uncle and a nephew, who just started working there, and they were new Christ followers, and um, they, they didn't know how to really have a relationship with God, and I said, hey, you wanna start meeting? They said, yeah, let's start meeting. So we would meet before the second shift, and uh, pretty soon, God expanded our circle. During the course of that summer, 11 people put their faith in Christ, and seven people joined our little three-man Bible study, and soon, it was like the whole second shift was at the Bible study. And so, it was just amazing. And that all began because he said, about three months prior, Tim, would you just start praying for those people? And I did. And he led me in so many different conversations throughout that summer, and it was amazing. Now, another time when I was in the business world, I met an older gentleman, and uh, he'd been married for a while, and he said, you know what, Tim, I would love to know more about my relationship with Jesus. I just don't know much about my relationship. I've just never spent the time. So we started to meet. And then I got a phone call about three or four years into Epic, uh, much later, well after our our meetings and everything. We met for about a year, and um, I'll never forget that conversation. He said, Tim, Just this past week, my wife, we've been married for a while, revealed to me that early on in our marriage that she had an affair and that she had gotten pregnant and that she had had an abortion to hide the fact. And if I hadn't learned what I learned when we met, I could have never forgiven her, but I have forgiven her. And today he is happily married. Now that was a God thing. That was a Jesus thing. And then when I was in the business world, uh, Sarah and I were asked to lead a mission trip uh, for our church that we were attending at that point to Macedonia to work with college students to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. Many of them learned English. They wanted to escape the country. If you don't know where Macedonia is, that's why they wanted to escape. Uh, But anyways, um, we went there and I had a small group that was assigned to me of these guys and we had a great time. But one of the guys in the group, I thought he was on drugs. I kid you not, okay? He never talked, he knew English, but it was just like, man, I don't know where you're at. Like literally, I'm looking at your face and you're not with me. Um, And so I didn't think he was listening. Several years later, I get an email. I don't know how he tracked down my email, Um, but he tracked down my email and he said, hey Tim, I just wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for challenging us that week uh, to find God's purpose for our lives. I don't remember saying that, okay? And uh, he said from there, He joined a uh, amazing Christian organization uh, at his campus and started to dig in and find out more about his relationship with Jesus. And then he started to learn how to share his faith and he started to bring many of his friends to Christ. Now this guy, he got so like amazing at sharing his faith, the organization said, hey, would you come on as one of the leaders and would you go around to these other universities across Europe and start to train them on how to share your faith or their faith with others. I'm like, wow, God. Because we never know what hangs in the balance with the decision that God is putting in front of us to follow, to follow him. Now, here's the really cool thing, okay? 
I could keep like going on and on. I didn't even touch Epic for the last 11 and a half years, okay? And many of you, your stories have been impacted and there are tons of life-changing stories that I could share. And so our question is, is it worth it to follow him? Absolutely. I love seeing God change people's lives. And he is inviting all of us, regardless of who you are, to follow and be a part of seeing people's lives change forever and forever. Now, you're sitting there and you're probably saying, hey, well, Tim, that's your story. And you're a pastor. And you're right. That is my story. But Jesus, in this passage that we are looking at, includes you. He wants to give you a story. And you probably missed it in the passage. I'm going to bring it up again. All right? So in this passage, he says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up... What's that word? Say it again. Say it louder. Your cross. Your story. He wants to use you. He has a story. He has a plan for your life. And if you start to follow him and you take the step that he's asking you to take along the way, you are going to come face to face with your Lord and Savior. You can enter into a personal relationship with him. Along the way, he is going to show you that he is the one who secures your soul. And you will be confident in this life that he has you, he has you, and he cares for you, and he loves you. And along the way, he's going to ask you to give your life away for the sake of others, because he gave his life for our sakes when he died on the cross for everyone, for everyone. And he's asking you to give your life away as well, for everyone. So here's what he's asking today, okay? What's the next step? Here's the next step. Some of you, you know exactly the step he has been asking you to take. You know there's a step. Would you take it? It's not something like, you know, out of control, but it's a step. And so in a moment, we're gonna close in prayer and close in a song, and so would you pray that and say, God, I surrender. I know you want me to take this step. I will take this step. For others of you, you haven't like really understood everything. You've been coming and listening, coming and listening. Um, would you consider jumping into starting point? Right after this service, we have an informational meeting. And in that environment, you will understand what Jesus is about. Christianity, your faith, and what does that mean? And here's what I've kind of grown up with. And here's what God is saying. And how does that go together? And so would you take the step to get your questions answered? Because Jesus wants to answer those. And then for others of you, you know, you are in a relationship with Jesus, but you just haven't taken the steps to like make it personal and like really interact with him on a daily basis. And it's like, how do I pray? How do I hear from him? And so if you go to the groups and care uh, center today, we are signing people up for 40 days of prayer. And in there, you'll learn how to speak to him, how to hear from him. And it's amazing. It's life changing. And for others of you, you're like, you know what? It's time. 
yeah, I know Jesus, but I don't really know him. And so we've provided the spiritual growth challenge. We're reading through the entire account of Luke. And on there, on the back, I've placed some um, abilities for you to know how to meet with him daily that I give to all the people I meet with that I've been doing for years. And so if you don't know how to like meet with him, grab the spiritual growth challenge and begin to meet with him every day, every day and find out about your relationship with God. And then for some of you, it's time. I mean, it's time. You have never put your faith in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And you have been coming and listening, coming and listening. Today is the day. And so when I pray, I'm gonna have a moment where you can enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. And as I pray today, there's many of you. What's the next step? What step does God want you to take? Because you know what? We don't know what hangs in the balance until much later on, and we can look back. But this decision is so important. And he has said, I want you, not Tim, but you to take this step today. And then we're gonna sing this song. And the song that we're going to sing today is a song that I want you to sing as a prayer of commitment and just saying, God, I want you to use me. I'm going to surrender and I'm gonna celebrate the fact that you will lead me and guide me along the journey. And so sing it back to him and say, I will trust you. But let's go ahead and pray. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer and then sing this song? So Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that you make it real clear what it means to be a follower of Christ. That you make it real clear with asking us to follow. You tell us the costs up front. You don't hide those things because you love us and you care for us. We want to follow you. And in this moment, there are many of us that know that step. And so this is your time to express to him, just pray in your heart, pray in your mind, God, I am willing to surrender. I will take this step. Be specific. Tell him. If he's moved on your heart, do not be afraid because you know the one, the one who secures our soul. Now, if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just simply express these words. Pray it to him. It's not about the words. It's about just having a conversation with Jesus. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Will you forgive me of all my sins? I believe you are the son of God, the one who came back to life from the dead. Will you be my Lord and Savior? Thank you. And so, Father, I just pray for all of us. There's a step that you're asking us to take. 
You are such a personal God. You are amazing. Would we give up our lives for the sake of others? Because you gave up your life for us. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.